Since 2001, Gallup News has polled Americans on their religious beliefs. And according to the most recent poll, 74% of Americans believe in God. If you do the math, that suggests some 80 million Americans don't. When comparing these results with the initial survey in 2001, Gallup concluded that belief in God and heaven has dropped 16 points. Meanwhile, 39% of Americans believe these are last days as end-time Bible prophecies continue to pop up like popcorn. These Bible prophecies do have an expiry date that only God knows. And because Bible prophecies are converging in our generation, time must be extremely short. And that's why the enemy is fighting so hard. He knows his time is short. The Jerusalem Channel is made with the support of you, our viewers. Thank you for watching. I'm Christine Dark. Spiritual warfare is increasing. To keep up, we must cultivate scriptural optimism. Romans 8.28 declares, And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called, according to his purpose. So when things get tense, we need to ask ourselves, Do I love God? Absolutely yes. Am I amongst the called? Yes then whatever God allows to happen is working together for our good. Amen. Do we really believe that? Well, time is accelerating and the days seem to be going by faster because we're living in prophetic times. Have you heard about the prophecy called the triangle of the end? I heard it several decades ago and recently I searched for it again to read again. Charles Capps was a great faith teacher in the 20th century, emphasizing the power of confession of God's word. The spirit of prophecy came upon him in a meeting, and he saw a large upside-down triangle representing the end of this present church age. And he saw the triangle becoming narrower and narrower, like a skinny upside-down pyramid so that time would be compressed at the end. God told Charles Capp that time began to be compressed in 1948 with the re-emergence of Israel, followed by the recapture of Jerusalem in 1967 as Israel's capital. And he prophesied that events will continue to speed up with more end-time prophecies happening right before our eyes. He also foresaw that our devotional life will have to intensify to keep pace with the times, and that's certainly true. Caps prophesied, as you approach the triangle of the end, time is going to grow faster and closer, faster and closer. It certainly seems to me that this is happening, and many persons, young and old, have told me how time seems to be just flying like never before. Meanwhile, strong believers must not be too alarmed by the news because we understand we are experiencing the birth pains. That's a metaphor for Messiah's return. And people are asking, will the economy fail? The portion of the U.S. population that can't even afford an emergency expense of 
$400 continues to climb. Young people are wondering if they can buy a house. It's comforting to know that the kingdom of God is not dependent upon this world's economies, if we have faith to believe that. And I can prove it from God's word. Genesis 26.12 records that Abraham's son Isaac sowed crops in a famine, and he reaped 100-fold the same year. Now, to reap 100-fold is a great return in a normal year, but in a year of drought and famine, a 100-fold return is supernatural. We also can't be unduly disturbed by what the doctor says or when the family gives over to anxiety and doesn't pray the prayer of faith. When God speaks, everything changes. Satan attacks, but you know your time on earth is not yet finished. So we ask God for a rhema word, and then we stand on his sure promises. Matters concealed in the book of Daniel are revealed in the end book, the book of Revelation. And in these days, the book of Daniel is being unsealed. Descriptions that used to be considered futuristic in the book of Revelation are also suddenly very contemporary. The prophecies contained do have a sell-by date, and I don't believe the same circumstances will accumulate in another future generation. The book of Daniel says, for the words are closed up and sealed till the time of the end. And the unsealing, many Bible prophecy teachers believe, is happening in this generation. In time events, could not be so readily understood previously. But Charles Capps described what he called time-released revelation. Indeed, much of the prophetic word couldn't be completely understood until knowledge and technology increase. But knowledge of God's word has increased along with technology, and now we have instant access to every word in Scripture in the Bible. Today it's easier to search and to compare the prophetic scriptures. Technology is also in place, allowing all nations to see the ministry of the two witnesses when they arrive on the scene in Jerusalem, and to see the descent of the Lord with the saints on the Mount of Olives at the end of the tribulation period. So I feel sorry for the biblically illiterate. Jesus said to the people of his day in Luke 12, 56, You hypocrites! You know how to interpret earth and sky to forecast the weather, but why cannot you interpret the times? Today, we could say the same thing to our generation. People know how to turn on the weather channel, but they can't seem to interpret this present season because they are biblically illiterate. I often say you'll be blindsided by end-time events if you haven't studied end-time prophecies. Israel is vitally important to understand because most all of the Bible prophecies center around the nation of Israel. Theologians often call the end-time signs that Jesus outlined in Matthew 24 the little apocalypse. And if you compare Matthew 24 with Revelation chapter 6, you'll see the same order of events known paralleling as the beginning of sorrows, birth pains or labor contractions. These are wars and rumors of wars, plagues, pestilences, famines. 
These are being compared to birth contractions, meaning these signs will increase in intensity and frequency. Events are accelerating quicker and quicker so that when a woman gives birth, at first the labor contractions are mild and begin to occur only 15 to 20 minutes apart. But then they speed up, increasing in frequency, intensity, and acceleration until there's no let up until the birth happens. So these exponential signs are accelerating on Earth, while simultaneously there are being outpoured dreams and visions as the Spirit of God is poured out on our sons and daughters and upon the old men and young men of our generation. According to a Prophecy News Watch article headline, Signs That We Really Are Living in Apocalyptic Times, Many old diseases are making stunning comebacks. The American state of Florida has now become the epicenter for an outbreak of leprosy. Health officials in the United States report that cases of leprosy, also known as Hansen's disease, are surging in central Florida. In a research letter, the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention said central Florida has accounted for 81% of reported cases in the state and almost one-fifth of cases reported nationwide. These closing days of the church age will just accelerate prophetic events. Bible prophecy is being fulfilled, as I said, right before our eyes. Israel's so-called 70th week of years in her future history, foretold in the book of Daniel, will follow the end of the church age, which is winding up. And this will amount to seven final years of tribulation, also known as Jacob's trouble. It'll be a time of unprecedented pressure. The transition from the church age back to restoring the kingdom to Israel will usher planet Earth into the last dimensions of time before eternity. Jesus will return from heaven with the saints, and afterward there will follow a thousand years of peace. But after those thousand years, Time will cease to exist, according to Revelation 20. Satan and all rebels will be cast into the lake of fire. Then, according to Revelation chapters 21 and 22, the righteous of all ages will flow into the eternal state with a new heaven and a new earth and the new Jerusalem descending out of heaven from God. All of this is future reality, no matter what the atheists and the globalists are predicting for this world. So for those who do not heed God's prophetic warnings and continue to walk in darkness, chaotic times are surely ahead. In fact, in Luke 21, 26, Jesus said that men's hearts will fail them for fear and for looking after those things coming on the earth. Incidentally, deaths from heart attacks have been surging dramatically in every age group in the United States since the pandemic. The Today Show on NBC reported that a national study from the Cedars-Sinai Hospital revealed that deaths related to heart attacks increased across every age group since the spring of 2020. But the group that saw the biggest increase isn't who you might think. In fact, the relative increase in heart attack-associated deaths was a staggering 30% amongst 
a younger group, those of the ages 25 to 44. Bible believers should not be caught by surprise or be confused as to God's timing concerning these earth-shaking events. Proverbs 4 and verses 18 to 19, some of my favorite, declares good news for the righteous. It says the path of the righteous is like the morning sun, shining ever brighter till the full light of day. But the way of the wicked is like deep darkness. They do not know what makes them stumble. According to Isaiah 60, I've been looking at that a lot lately, during the same time frame in which gross darkness covers the wicked of the earth, great light is coming by revelation of the Holy Spirit to those of us who choose to follow God's precepts and continue to worship Him. But according to an article headlined, Being Christian in an Age of Heightened Hostility, the headline is not that there are suddenly those who disagree with Christian conviction or similar beliefs. That's always been the case. And frankly, the Christian view of the world hasn't held the dominant cultural position for some time now. However, the old-school atheist and secular humanists of yesterday were at least willing to let Christians have their say, if for no other reason than to ridicule and deride us. But now many Christians are being viewed in the West as evil. Blogger Michael Snyder has observed that many Americans are relocating to an entirely different state for safety reasons. In former times, long-distance moves were often prompted by an employment issue or by a desire to live closer to family. But now political and ideological considerations are motivating many Americans to search for greener and safer pastures. Americans are segregating by their politics as they fear great chaos is coming. For example, more than 500,000 residents left California over the past two years, and many of these ex-Californians have relocated to the state of Texas. And not just people, but also companies have been relocating from California to Texas. One study reported that more than 100 companies have moved their headquarters to Texas since 2020, with 40% of these companies moving from California because, tragically, as Michael Snyder wrote, it has been transformed into a cesspool of crime, drugs, homelessness, and violence. Well, when the last Gentile is saved and the fullness of the Gentiles is completed in the church, as Paul explained in Romans chapter 11, Jesus will appear and resurrect the bodies of the righteous dead of all ages and catch them up to heaven along with born-again believers who are alive at the time of his appearing. This doctrine called the rapture of living believers being transported to heaven is not a new doctrine. I want to emphasize that, despite what people are saying. It was a mystery first revealed by Jesus in John chapter 14 and also revealed as a mystery to the Apostle Paul in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and 1 Corinthians 15. Also, the Apostle Paul wrote in 1 Thessalonians 5, 4, You, brethren, are not in darkness, so that this day should overtake you as a thief. You are all sons of light and sons of the day. We're not of the night nor of the darkness, that that day should overtake us. We'll understand the season. 
It's vital to understand that we're living in a transition from the church age back to God's plan rule through the nation of Israel. God's never given up on Israel. And this transition should bring joy and happiness to those who are rapture ready. But the unprepared will be hopelessly confused and perplexed by the traumatic changes taking place. It's just time like never before to take stock of our lives and to determine if we're going to end well when the Lord comes. Many believers start out well, but don't end well. Let's purpose to end well. We have to know what season of life that we're actually in. When we traveled with evangelist Reinhard Bonka throughout Africa and many other countries, we learned so much about the patterns of ministry in which we are being trained. I was so eager to minister, although I was already experienced in ministry, having begun ministry in Israel and also amongst the Arabs, but my ministry had not yet developed to the extent that God was planning. So there are definite seasons in ministry that flow from one season to the next. There was a season when my ministry was to raise our children. There are also foundational seasons of serving other ministries. Then there are wilderness seasons when we are proven by God. We just must trust that God never wastes time in these various serious seasons. He's not in a hurry. I heard one minister say, our job is to know what season we're in and to fulfill that assignment well. When that season is finished, God will take us to the next season. Each is a season in which we can please God, learn valuable lessons, and be prepared for the next assignment. Sometimes God takes us into a quiet season in which we learn and listen, even if our hearts want to rush out and accomplish great exploits. We mustn't be impatient, but wait on the Lord. Quiet seasons are important to learn and prepare for the next chapter, and they also help us to be faithful in fulfilling the will of God. Amen. Now, let's recognize the acceleration that we're living in. Praise the King of Kings that he's called us for such a time as this. Have we started at all, and how are we going to end? If we've started well, is our trajectory going to end well? I've watched some persons in the ministry not ending well, and some that we have known personally have ended shockingly and even tragically. It used to be a given, for example, that Christians would practice self-denial. But today, very few professing Christians talk about self-denial. But Jesus said, if anyone will come after me, let them do what? Deny themselves. The prophet Daniel, for example, denied himself. He went without any pleasant food for three weeks. And Jesus said to his disciples, when you fast, he didn't say if you fast, he said when you fast. So he put fasting on the to-do list as well as praying. I heard a man of God say he was chastened and disciplined by the Lord and he didn't fall into disfavor through marital infidelity or misappropriation of funds, but he said it was because of his carnality. God rebuked that. God says he hated the carnality of Esau. In the book of Malachi, God testified, Jacob I have loved, but Esau I have hated. And Paul quotes these words in Romans 9.13. 
Although descended from twin brothers, the two resulting nations, Israel and Edom, were utterly opposite in character. Edom was unspiritual and carnal, while Jacob had a spiritual appetite. So how was our spiritual appetite? Are we hungry for the things of God? Well, people of God, it's definitely time to raise the standard of purity and holiness in the body of Messiah. For example, I asked the Lord why so many people are inking their bodies, and he told me the proliferation of tattoos is preparing people to receive the mark of the beast. Leviticus 19.28 prohibits tattooing your body. What, the Apostle Paul asked in the New Testament, do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? So my comment is not to pour condemnation on anybody, but I'm challenging you not to mark your bodies, which were made in the image of God, because the time is coming when a mark will be required. And the Lord gave the prohibition, and he gave the reason. He said, I am the Lord. And what other reason do we need? In Leviticus, the declaration, I am the Lord your God, occurs 21 times. In its short form, I am the Lord, an additional 24 times. This repetition, I am the Lord, is the reason for his commands. When I was a little girl, my mother used to tell me not to do something. And if I asked why, she often would answer, because your father said so. And if our Father in Heaven tells us not to do something, that should be enough reason. Well, in these difficult days, it's important to cast off bitterness and unforgiveness and not to be encumbered by them. If you will not forgive, the Lord says, He cannot forgive you. And then He'll have to turn you over to the tormentors. Remember, Satan is depicted in Scripture as a dangerous dragon. He's also a snake. And in church history, dragons are represented as winged crocodiles, regarded as emblems of sin and Satan. But the Lord is our dragon slayer. Revelation 20, verse 2, says the dragon, that old serpent, who is the devil, Satan, will be bound in chains for a thousand years and then afterwards. In verse 30, he's thrown into the lake of fire where he will be tormented forever and ever. Meanwhile, there are spiritual dragons, besetting sins, turbulent passions, evil customs, fascinating vices, and they may pour forth their fire and fury upon us in these last days, so we have to be watchful. Let's seek the help of the great dragon slayer, Jesus. All of us believers are involved in this spiritual warfare, but God has provided full armor for us in Ephesians chapter 6. So now at this point in the program, it would be helpful to review the six pieces of weaponry and the seventh provided by God. Paul's spiritual application was inspired by the equipment of a Roman legionary. Paul wrote, stand therefore, standing as a position of victory and resistance, having our waist girded with truth. Truth is indeed a weapon. And according to 2 Thessalonians 2.10, Deceived people will perish because they did not receive the love of the truth that they might be saved. Next, Ephesians 6.14 admonishes us to put on the breastplate of righteousness. What does that protect? Our heart. 
This breastplate of righteousness is not speaking of her own righteousness, which is like filthy rags, but it represents the righteousness of Jesus to protect her heart. Next, it says, having your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Roman soldiers were issued strong regulation sandals, enabling them to march great distances. Gospel shoes represent the willingness to go anywhere God wants anytime. We must be willing to take the gospel of peace to a hurting, frazzled world. And we have to be prepared to impart the Lord's peace to people who are open to receive truth. Above all, it says, taking the shield of faith to quench the fiery darts of the wicked one. The Roman soldier was trained to get behind his shield so that no part of his body was exposed to the flaming arrows. I pray for this shield of faith for everybody within the sound of my voice. Then there's the helmet of salvation to protect what? The mind, where we battle against depression, negative thoughts, and temptations. A cross-reference is 1 Thessalonians 5.8. But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and as a helmet, the hope of salvation. Yes, our blessed hope is mentioned in Titus 2.13. We wait for this blessed hope the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus the Messiah. Continuing in verse 17, we do battle with the sword of the Spirit, which is what? The Word of God. In the Greek here in this verse, however, the Word of God is rhema, which means a spoken word. So the sword of the Spirit is not this Bible, the entire Bible on the desk. Rather, the sword of the Spirit is the specific Word of God that we quote in our mouths to defeat the devil. That's the same weapon Jesus used three times against Satan. With each temptation, he said, it is written, it is written, it is written. And the devil is restrained when we quote the word of God. In verse 18, here's a seventh weapon and most powerful of them all. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit. In closing today, the Word of God says that it's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Therefore, knowing the terror of the Lord, we persuade people. God has given many convincing proofs of the Lord's resurrection here in this Word. So let's have the presence of mind now to call upon the Savior, the Lord Jesus, for deliverance and salvation while there is yet time. Amen. Bless you. Now let me draw your attention to our website, exploits.tv, which has all of our videos and reports on Bible prophecy and end-time events. We invite you to sign up for our weekly email alert and at our Jerusalem Channel app, as well as our Jerusalem Channel YouTube site, you can watch our video and be exhorted and taught 24-7. Friends, the kingdom of God is at hand. Soon we'll see King Yeshua. Do you believe that? I enjoy sharing your comments and questions through the social media platform. And of course, you can watch our entire library for free at our website, exploits.tv. Until next time, you know me, I'll always be contending for the faith and praying earnestly for the peace of Jerusalem. I'm Christine Darn. Shalom and Maranatha.
It's hard to believe for me that it's been over 40 years now that I've been at least a spiritual citizen of the nation of Israel. Ever since my first visit to the Holy Land, it's been an intriguing and totally inspiring place to get to know the Bible better. And what a privilege it is to share these insights with you through the media of Jerusalem Channel. We now have over 300 weekly broadcasts to view online free of charge. And just recently, one of our channel streams logged over 8 million views. But bringing these programs to a global audience does cost money. And during the summer months, giving sadly goes down. Just at a time when we need to meet some of our biggest expenses to pay for the streaming services. I want you to know that we really appreciate your help to make the Jerusalem Channel possible and to illuminate the Word of God in the context of the land and its people. You can give online at our website using credit or debit cards or write to us. In the USA, your tax-deductible gifts can be sent to Box 2768, Stanton, Virginia, 24402. And in the UK, our address is Box 109, Hereford, HR4, 9XR, England. God bless you.